0: Hello and welcome to episode number 344 of the Super Horror Bros Podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike.
1: Hello. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Always a good week when we get to talk with
0: yes it is indeed we've uh we're back to the cinema very shortly um and for the next few weeks uh but we decided it was time to revisit uh of course another installment in the ranking Wes craven which is getting towards the end now um no, no, obviously we'll be yeah talking about cursed and that only leaves two more films after that in the order we've been doing it so um we'll have to figure out what to do at that point afterwards um there is, like, the TV movies that Wes did, which I'm very <laughs> intrigued by, because, like, neither of us have seen any of them, mm. I don't think, or maybe one tempted. or two. So that's definitely on the table um, as a sort of epilogue, as it were, to this uh, this retrospective. Um, but, yeah, we've got to talk about Cursed, which is a fascinating movie to talk about. Um yeah, certainly. I think the behind the scenes for all is probably more interesting than the movie itself, um, like so many of these films. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that shortly. Um, but yeah, a little bit of news this week. This kind of interesting. There's a, a, a few in here that we kind of have spoken about before. Yeah. Um, but then, some things that definitely haven't been mentioned before, which I think are in here for, for interesting and different reasons. Um, but the first one is a movie that we're very much aware of and very much excited about, um, which is Ty West's uh, upcoming Maxine, um, which of course completes his X trilogy. Um, yeah, kind of A24 revealed this week that Filman has now begun on the movie. Um, be out in a month then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing is like I was already thinking, Oh yeah, we'll, well cool, we'll see this next year, twenty twenty four, but you really don't know with these guys. Um I it still suspect
1: decade, it could take two months.
0: Yeah, like I would assume that they want to get this done and then they'll kind of do like the festival circuit, which is typically at the beginning of the year, so and then obviously a wide release after that. Um but who knows. But yeah, that that's kind of the exciting part is that obviously filming is underway. But just before that, we did get cast announcement. Um which is a perfect time to talk about it. And obviously we know that Mia Goth is returning as our sort of title lead character, as it were. Um, but the rest of the cast is obviously brand new because there wasn't that many people left over, if any, was there from the end of X. I guess we should Um, re- um <laughs> But yeah, there's not many characters left. Not anyway, many. If any. Um, but yeah, we've got a whole host of names here, kind of some that are more familiar there's elizabeth de becky who was in tenet um michelle Moynihan, who i know is kind of uh, in the mission impossible movies um uh, and then these these last two names are very interesting we've got kevin bacon um <laughs> which is hilarious you can already kind of think in your head the type of character that he would play in this world with it being firmly in no the idea. 80s no idea <laughs> um, just fantastic I think he'll be great and, and certainly someone that I hope gets a good kill uh, death in it um, and also uh, Giancarlo Esposito who um, I think just he just brings so much joy and energy to every project he's involved in so I think he's a great addition as well um, so yeah cool cool and interesting cast here. and yeah we obviously cannot again, wait for this you can, movie
1: you can already picture him in that world like <laughs> exactly what his character is going to be as well <laughs>
0: yeah for sure so like i i love this i was like oh yeah there's there's you know at least three or four names in here that i know there's a couple that i don't know as well um so yeah i'm i just we we both cannot wait for this film so yeah we'll we'll hopefully get to uh maybe get uh, who knows maybe we'll get a trailer this year but yeah i'm I'm happy to just forget about this one now until we then need to get very very excited i think we both said at the time Mm -hmm. if he can complete this trilogy in the same quality as x and pearl one of the all-time great trilogies um which would just be outstanding wouldn't it like you know can he do it for a third time
1: um but yeah crazy i mean you gotta hope that he can i think even you know with with that casting news it shows that like the intent is there to get these people mm. on board it's it's not just a case of making this a tiny indie movie it's like no we've got people doing this that uh you know pro- proper you know well-known big actors in this you know there's there's a bit of you know there's a bit of weight behind this third one Mm. it feels like you know it's getting a bit more traction than kind of you know the um you know with with Pearl it very much felt like Pearl was just a a passion project from these two people Mm. um whereas this does feel a bit bigger
0: yeah I completely agree with that like yeah Pearl was such a small thing that was almost it forced a cinema release because of just how good it was whereas it all, it always felt like it was supposed to just be like the best bonus feature ever yeah. um, that kind of spawned into something else entirely um, and ended up being in our top five for last year as well of course with x um but yeah i cannot wait for this one um next up this one's really interesting actually because we, we kind of talked obviously a lot about scream and and the success of the new movie and obviously we both absolutely adored it um and we were talking about kind of We said at the time, like, obviously the movie's absolutely killed at the box office as well. Um, And, you know, normally I'm very bullish in saying, like, oh, yeah, they'll they'll announce a sequel straight away. Like, I said it with Scream last year and it happened, and then with Megan. But with with this one, I was a bit more tentative um, for the simple fact that I really don't think these guys should do another one. Um, Before we get to the news itself, like, I really think what they did, the kind of the collective known as Radio Silence, like, Scream 6 is i think astonishing and aside from absolutely nailing a killer which in my opinion they haven't done in either film I, i don't know how they could possibly make a better scream movie than scream 6 so if i'm them i walk away with 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 our stock as high as humanly possible um and it seems like they agree with that because they now have their next project set up and it is not scream 7 um so who knows like as an aside we'll kind of end our our talks on scream here but like i don't know what's going to happen whether they'll i i imagine they will make another one because of the reasons we said it was so it made so much money but like whoever's taken that i think is a, is a poison chalice and I i just don't see how you could possibly pick up the reins after what these guys have done um so yeah before we get to i guess what they are doing next like any thoughts on that whole what I just talked about? Like, do you do you desperately want a Scream Seven? Is it is it? Do these guys need to be involved for you to mm-hmm. want to see that film? Oh,
1: you, you've hurt my head, bro. Yeah, it is a lot. because yeah. We haven't even got to the news yet. <laughs> yeah, you have hurt my fucking head. Like, I don't know. Um, I mean, I do want do more. You know my sentiment that they should walk away. I mean, I do, but I also don't want them to because. <clears throat> They've made two really good screen movies, and I want them to keep going um, <laughs> because I I love this franchise and I want more screen movies. So, like ultimately, yes, I want more screen movies, and and I also think that the the biggest thing what they've done is they've managed to bring the franchise away from those legacy characters. Um, you know, we had no Sydney in the last movie, no Dewey. And very little gale, and it 's like, okay, so could we could we get a screen movie that is in Woodsboro with all brand new people, not even from these two movies you know could Could that be a case, and could I be on board with it And I think at this point, like I could be um if if the movie's good enough and and i and I, and I felt like before there was such a weight to those legacy characters, so I think that 's one of the things that they 've done the best is is in a lot of ways pave the way to say, okay, no, you, you tell your story now that, that is Ghostface, but can be its own, you know, it doesn't have to be tethered with these characters. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely want more scream. You know, we got, we got a great return to scream and then we got an absolute banger this year. So, you know, that franchise is still incredibly strong. Um, you know, can it survive the hump of a seventh movie? I know a certain franchise that struggled. Um, (laughs) And I want to see Scream have a stab at it, so to speak. Mm. I want to see a return of the Stab movies. I think that's the thing, like, (laughs) you know, they definitely have gone away from that. There was, you know, there was only very small references to Stab in in this new one. So I I almost want it to be, you know, fully Stab orientated uh, if they did another one.
0: Yeah, it is interesting because, you know, just as a quick aside where we're on Scream, like, I don't know how I feel about it because, I, like I say, Scream 6 was such a massive shock to me how much I loved it that I'm happy right now to just leave it for a little bit and I'm, I'm glad we haven't immediately had the news like we did last year where it was like, you know, had they already announced like, this coming January, there's another one. Like, I'm glad that's not the case. I think the only reason why we haven't had that is because of this news, which we'll now get to. Um, and so that just leaves us in a weird spot now where it's like, these guys have done such a good job with those two films. How do you find like competent hands and competent kind of stewards of the franchise? Again, like do these guys now pick the next people? Like it's very interesting, but anyway, um, we know what they will be directing. apparently, um, according to deadline, um, because sort of the, the the duo directors and duo writers known as radio silence i guess that's a lot much easier way than listing four yeah. names every time yeah. um, though sometimes i do feel bad for not mentioning them like <laughs> i do want to at some point but i'm not reading them out every time um but they oh, will boy. be directing a untitled monster thriller for universal um and yeah that is kind of the monster is the classic universal monsters um so in the deadline report they say the following um in the vein of the studio's recent hits like the invisible man and renfield which is an aside i don't think renfield's out in the states yet is it like they're calling it a hit already but obviously we get it this coming week but i don't think it's out anywhere i
1: could be wrong you know
0: maybe they just think it's trending to be a hit but either way. they go on to say this untitled
1: monster... be a hit before they even come out at this point. Yeah, like, you're absolutely yeah. right.
0: Um, that's why so many sequels get greenlit before the, the movies even come mm. out. Um, and it does look like it's going to do well, and it's certainly getting a lot of promotion. Everywhere I see is Renfield at the minute. Um, but yeah, they go on to say, obviously, after those two films, um, this untitled monster thriller provides a unique take on legendary monster lore and will represent a fresh new direction for how to celebrate these classic characters. Universal monster films are rooted in the horror genre with no restrictions on budget, well, I don't really believe that, um, rating or genre, um, even though they said horror genre in the same sentence. (laughs) Um, Yeah, this is nonsense. nonsense. (laughs) Um, They go on to say, uh, they are not part of a shared interconnected universe which allows each film to stand on its own. This new direction is filmmaker-driven and via innovative filmmakers with original bold ideas for these characters just to develop the stories and pitch them so yeah it's a very much a, a sort of marketing spiel there but i do like the fact that they say you know they say firmly this is not part of a shared interconnected universe because i remember there was talk of that after the invisible man did so well that mm. like they going to do the invisible woman they were going to do other universal ones and try and tie in and i think everyone's kind of realized now that you can't marvelize yeah, everything yeah i
1: think that's the thing like marvel for so long you know kind of broke companies mindsets where they're like Mm -hmm. oh we need to build a cinematic universe so it's like no no you don't and you know you look at the conjuring movies that did that Mm -hmm. and i think we're at least at the point now where we are getting like you know movies like you know the the, the, what is it the pope's exorcist or whatever is at the cinema right now Mm -hmm. where it's like oh okay like at least this isn't trying to be part of the conjuring universe i know i know it's not the same people but it's like that very much feels like we would just be getting loads of these spin-offs, and it's like you know, at least this is different. Um, you know, takes on on it, and, and not trying to link it all. And I'm like, okay, at least that's better. I still, yeah. I'm still not going to watch those, but but you know, I, I, it, it's really annoying when we get to the point that you're just getting the, these, you know, created cinematic universes for no reason. Yeah, it really sucks. Like, I'm so glad they're saying like, this. Like, because... was awful. Remember that? Like, when yeah. they were trying to make that a cinematic universe and stuff.
0: People have realized now that Marvel was the exception, not the rule. And so, yeah. that just not you're not going to be able to capture that lightning in the bottle again. And I think there's only a few amount of kind of studios and IP that can even try that. Um, and Universal, with their monsters, it definitely fits that bill. And I think yeah. I can totally see why they wanted to go for that at a certain point. Like, the idea of having each monster have its own individual movie. And then like an Avenger star movie, it really does just write itself. Um, but like you say that the, just focus on making good films. Like you, you're talking about recent hits. I mean, the invisible man was three years ago and it was awesome, but like, we've not had anything else like that since then. And, and obviously I hope Renfield's great, but I've not seen it yet. Um, and even if Renfield is as good as The Invisible Man, that's still just two films. So, like, you really need to just make good films. And so, yeah, yeah. if this is what they're doing. Um, obviously, they've got an incredible amount of talent here. Um, and it's interesting if this is... Because, like, after the, the... When your movies make as much money as Ready or Not did and the two screen movies, you have every... You know, so many different production companies and studios banging at your door wanting you to mm. make their new film. So the fact that this is the thing they've chosen, like clearly they have a major passion for this, um, and also the fact that we don't know anything about this right now—that it's simply untitled monster thriller. You know, we don't know what monster, we don't know anything. Um, but I'm really excited to see what this is. Like, I want to see a reinvention of these characters. Like, it was something that I wanted to do a long time ago. Was go back and watch a lot of those old. Um, Hammer productions, but they are of such an era that I think, even as someone that likes old films, it'd be very hard for me to get into. Um, I would like to give it another shot, um, but I want to see, you know, these characters. So let's say The Invisible Man was amazing to me in terms of taking this old character and reinventing it for a new audience. Like I thought that movie was just absolutely outstanding. And I would love to see that for all of these other characters. Um, and these guys just certainly have the pedigree for it. So yeah, we obviously don't know much about this one now, but I, I'm definitely excited to hear more about this and it is surprising as well i I didn't i didn't know what to expect from these guys i had a feeling it wasn't going to be scream but i certainly didn't think it would be this i thought it'd maybe be like now that you guys can basically write your own checks i thought it would just be another brand new film like ready or not to be honest um but maybe this is basically that anyway um but yeah we shall see it's just a Um,
1: sneaky ready or not sequel
0: yeah it could be um but yeah, this next one, uh, this was a trailer that came out in the last week. Um, so this is sort of the next big A24 movie, I believe, uh, coming this July, um, <clears throat> called Talk to Me, which was kind of on the festivals, did really well earlier in the year, and is now obviously getting a wider release. Um The brief synopsis reads, uh, a group of friends discover how to conjure spirits using an embalmed hand. They become hooked on the new thrill ride until one of them goes too far and unleashes terrifying supernatural forces. Um, So, yeah, what did did you make of this trailer for the new A24 flick? We've all
1: been there, haven't we? Yeah. It's a tale (laughs) as old as time. Yeah. All those teenage stories. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I think, it's one of those goddamn movies in it <laughs> but i'm like as far as they go this one looked good i you know i i i i'd like the idea of this hand and the way that they kind of showed some of the stuff but then like as we got later into the trailer and we got more to like the the horn in ghosty stuff and the clear like day night cycle that was going on i was like oh I don't know if I can handle one of these but it's you know it's been a while maybe maybe it's time to to dip my toe back in the water you know it's, it, it, it's from you know the, the right people but um yeah I, I can't say I was like crazy excited by it
0: Yeah this was a weird one for me I, I really struggled to get a read on how I felt about this um I didn't really like the trailer um it was weird to me watching <laughs> it because
1: I read. <laughs>
0: Well, in terms of the actual movie, because I'm I, I want to be so tentative because w- there's so many examples recently where I watch a trailer that I'm not interested Ooh. in, and the movie ends up being so much better than the trailer, and I think I've just come to terms that a I hate trailers and b I think most trailers are shit, um, but I I think. We with this one a24 are clearly stretching their wings they're becoming more quote-unquote mainstream i think we saw it with a movie like bodies 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 last year that i really enjoyed but it it didn't feel like an a24 film um and this continues that vibe this feels bigger Mm. and kind of this really reminds me of smile um where I think it's going to go for a wide audience it's going to have like a great marketing campaign where you can kind of do you can sell this 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 game that the kids are playing on socials so easy and get people talking about this film um, mm. and, but I think it, but Smile did that as well but then under the surface Smile was like an actually competent good horror film and I hope this is the same um, I also got the vibe from the trailer that it might be something like in It Follows where I remember the trailers for that were rubbish as well where you can't quantify what that film is in a, in a two-minute trailer i don't think Mm. to kind of sell it as this big bombastic action-packed movie it's it's more the impending dread that kind of overcomes you watching it and i hope this movie has a similar tone where it's quite a slow build um and that would certainly fit more of the a24 mold but yeah i was torn on this where i'm like i'll watch this but i don't i don't know this could be terrible or it could be awesome i really don't know at this point um but i I didn't i didn't like the trailer but that doesn't mean much these days um but yeah we'll be seeing that one in a in a few months um this next one is fascinating because this has kind of been floating around a few times in the news i've never really put it in here because i was like does this even really matter but then reading a bit more about it my this is kind of interesting so they're doing a remake of faces of death which
1: oh my god
0: yeah that was my initial Thank thought and, and hence why i've never really put it in the news but like um it basically it started filming this week and i was like okay and it's from the people that made cam um which i really enjoyed on netflix and i was mm. like okay that's kind of interesting because i liked their previous film um but then reading the synopsis of what they're doing to kind of reinvent faces of death i'm like oh this is to me anyway a very interesting way of bringing it back um so the filmmakers were asked that question, how do you how do you kind of adapt this for a modern audience? And they said the following Um, Faces of Death was one of the first viral videotapes, and we are so lucky to be able to use it as a jumping off point for this exploration of cycles of violence um, and the way they appear themselves online. Um it then goes on to say that the new plot revolves around a female moderator of a YouTube-like website whose job is to weed out offensive and violent content and who herself is recovering from a serious trauma. Uh, she stumbles across a group that is recreating the murders from the original film but the question faced is are the murders real or fake so i think i was like oh you've got my attention now like Mm. this wasn't something that i cared about but when i read that plot i'm like i'll watch that like again obviously it's got that modern technological twist which i'm a big fan of but i think adapting faces of death and making it an online thing and also bringing it seems like they're bringing in the actual history of the film into this film. You know, I hope that they're referencing because what they say there is like, they're recreating the murders in the original film. I hope that's explicit in the actual film. That they're saying yeah. that they're aware in universe that there was a movie called faces of death that marketed itself as a real movie but wasn't actually real um but i so i think that's cool so yeah does, does this sort of tickle your fancy like it, in general would this remake of you know been in, of interest to you no, and no, then this yes. plot...
1: <laughs> yeah same <laughs> yes, as me no, then, <laughs> no, no, then yeah. you know i because i think the thing with faces of death you know when i first heard about it i was like oh, okay i'm very intrigued as to what this is and then watching it i was like oh this is just kind of nonsense mm. really and just has no yeah, cohesion cool. to it and 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 just you know w- w- wasn't worth my time and and yeah i really like the idea of them almost using that as like the starting point where it's like yeah there was this movie that had like this weird like you know buzz and mystique around it and and that has now caused an actual story to develop for a film <laughs> you mm. know for, for this movie and and so yeah i think a faces of death with a plot that, that could get me interested <laughs> <laughs> yeah i agree with that yeah i think that is an interesting technique of doing it you know we watched um movies where we you know when we have these moderators and kind of you know them dealing with violence on screen and and that sort of stuff and we said like you know we we talk a lot about uh the bbfc and their kind of ratings board and and, you know we'll probably be talking about that with wes craven soon (laughs) who knows and like you know i think we we find that fascinating so then movies that kind of have that as a as a part of its its plot is, is is something that we quite like and so yeah i think this online moderator that's seeing this violence that's then like oh shit is this real is this fake like mm-hmm. you know i've been there with videos online where i'm like am i like is this i don't know i don't know if i like this <laughs> you know and i think um uh, you know i think that that could be a, a fascinating kind of story to tell in a in a, in a horror movie
0: yeah I, I completely agree with that and i think that is so untapped in mm. the horror genre And we talk a lot about what can you do from the modern developments of today and we talk a lot about the screen life and technological advancements but i do think that what you just said then is is differentiating the difference between real or fake is not only just in horror and in violence but like in general we are now i think entering the like the great age of misinformation mm-hmm. you know with the rise of the deep fakes and all that sort of stuff where and the ai you know generating stuff where it's really going to be hard to tell what is anything anymore and so i think the potential to tell stories with that is awesome and that could be one of the greatest kind of benefits of of something that is probably going to have a lot of negative attributes um so yeah i'd love to see that explored in a horror franchise of any kind um Mm. so yeah looking forward to it um and then lastly i just want to throw this one here quickly just because i want to see your reaction to it um netflix announced a stranger things animated show um this week that's pretty much all we know at this point so yeah an animated show obviously this comes they already did that crazy announcement when they announced like we're doing a final season we're doing a live action spin-off show we're doing a play um i think there was something else in there as well i can't remember if there's a film or something but yeah yeah, they clearly you know they wanted to make this their big multimedia franchise um and as I said at the time, you've just got to stick the land in. That like all of these things will matter as long as Stranger Things season five is a banger. Yeah. Um, but that's that that aside, did you I, I don't really care personally, but do do you have any interest in a Stranger Things animated show?
1: I, I don't, but exactly what you said there, if they stick the land in and, and season five is as good as season four, um, and then they're like, Oh, we've we're putting out whatever content and it and it speaks to me. Then I will follow it across media. You know, I've I've got tickets to go to the Stranger Things play. Like I would I would go. You know, I I would I would watch an animated show that I wouldn't usually watch if the story interests me. You know, I've I've done that with other things. I've done it with Star Wars. Like I would I would do it with Stranger Things. But it but it needs to that they have to first and foremost do the most important bit, which is actually end the thing I love in the right way, and then mm. and then we'll talk. Yeah, it would be
0: interesting to see. Like, I think most of their animation stuff lands typically at Netflix. Um, mm. So, you know, people seem to like it. I've tried to watch a few of the stuff and I, I just realize I'm not into animation as much as I get older. Um, so I don't know about this one. I'd have to kind of see it because um, I love Stranger Things. But like I say, I think that the fact that they're already getting a little bit too crazy with it. Like I remember, like, it's not as the same, but I remember when The Walking Dead was at its peak and they talked about, oh, we're going to do all these films and all this stuff. And they'll still do them at some point but like had they done it and when it was at its peak those movies would have made so much money i know I think now, yeah that audience is so gone and so done with it with the a million spin-offs that yeah they'll do well like if that rick movie eventually comes out it'll do well cuz there'll be enough people but it will do 20% of what it would have done at the peak of the walking dead yeah if done uh, that, like
1: halfway through the run of walking dead
0: like, oh, that movie would have been insane
1: would have would have been a juggernaut
0: yeah, when they were pulling in the sort of viewership, they were. Whereas, like I say, it's it's only gotten tanked more and more as the show's gone on. But yeah, that that's obviously not as the same as what we're talking about here because it's just a, an animated show on the same platform, so it's it's purely just you know keeping you as a subscriber to Netflix. But yeah, they they've got to nail that landing. That's that's the most important thing. Whenever that happens, and uh, that's like the next thing I want to see from Stranger Things. I don't want to be diluted before then because season four, as we've talked about, was exceptional, and I want that to be like my last thought. Then going into the next season like if they say like oh yeah the animated show comes out six months before season five like i'm not gonna watch that because mm-hmm. i just don't want to be like tainted um even if it's great um but yeah that's it for the news this week uh, shall we talk about this week's film let's do it let's talk about cursed So yeah, obviously this is a part of our retrospective. Um and I guess as always, this is an old film as it were. So we do the old full spoilers from the get go. Um mm-hmm. None of this skirting around, you should have seen cursed by now, you've had just over eighteen years, I believe to watch it um, We've had a decent so, um, yeah, yeah. A decent man if you were going to watch it, you would have seen cursed by now, and then maybe our our discussion will sway you one way or another, but yeah we, we have to it. talk spoilers um but yeah there's there's so much to talk about in terms of behind the scenes stuff, so I don't know when we want to get into that, but I'd rather I guess just concentrate on the film as much as possible
1: yeah. um I mean even I mean, though it's difficult. I think because um, we definitely got to talk about the mess of, of of filming and everything else, but I think you know if I maybe go into a synopsis and then we can kind yeah. of talk about the mess and then we can yeah, give talk us about the, the chaos of the movie that is actually cursed as well yeah i think there's quite a lot to unpack actually yeah give
0: us the synopsis of the movie they actually released first <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so basically a werewolf is on the loose and our two main actors kind of brother and sister um i don't even know what jesse eisenberg's name is in the movie just Jimmy brother Jimmy is it yeah I was going to say it was gone uh, and and Ellie um they are yeah brother and sister and they end up getting attacked on a drive home um very I know he did last summer they they <laughs> unbeknownst to them hit a werewolf and then get attacked by said werewolf um who in the process of attacking them kills the lovely Shannon Elizabeth, who was in this very briefly, this movie. Mm-hmm. And um, both our brother and sister get first fr- from it. Um, so the rest of the movie is kind of like this, this almost like, um, you know, them dealing with these abilities and slowly becoming werewolf-like, but also trying to kind of unearth the curse, but also just kind of, It is really like Jesse Eisenberg's character that's trying to do stuff. You know, Jimmy's trying to figure out the curse and everything else, whereas Ellie's just just cracking on with the life, really. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like like hers is almost just like a drama about like just being in like this, working in this TV production company and and dealing with that. And, 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 And then it just so happens that she's also a werewolf.
0: Yeah and just also the drama of this like shitty relationship that yeah, she's in. Yeah, she's
1: got this shitty relationship. She's got this kind of shitty boss, this weird work life and and dealing with creepy men at her work and stuff like that and and yeah, just just like dealing with these dramas and then every now and then she'll, you know, do werewolf shit. Yeah. Um but yeah, the the, <laughs> the movie is is, you know, strange because, you know, later in the movie it starts to it becomes very quickly a who done it and who who is the werewolf, and then very quickly that gets revealed in like a almost like not quite not mid act, but you know three quarters the way through, yeah, al- almost very quick version of a scream movie where it's like oh you think it's him, oh it's not him, oh it's actually him, you know, and it was it, it was kind of bizarre, you know. Obviously, it's the team of Craven and, and Kevin Williamson, which is huge to talk about. That it is the, the the two of them together, still working together, making mm. this movie that, that is that is kind of utter chaos in terms of what it's trying to do. It's trying to take a stab at so many different things. I feel. And, yeah, well, this and... is also
0: is worth noting that this is the only movie they did write together that isn't a scream film.
1: Yeah, I think so. so.
0: Like that is bizarre when you think about their other four movies that they did together, and then they did this as well.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's it's crazy, but um. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's that's the plot. Like, um, do you want to go into some some of the, the 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 mess that was that was making this movie, or do you want to go into your thoughts on it a bit?
0: Uh, Let's do our thoughts first, because I feel like there's so much to go over, and I'm going to try my best to kind of do it quickly, but there's, I mean, we've talked a lot about either studio interference, you mentioned earlier the kind of the ratings board interference, and just all this bullshit that kind of really did unfortunately plague Wes Craven's career, Um, but I feel like this is the... The crown in the jewel, you know, the jewel in the crown of fucking with Wes Craven. Like this whole thing feels like it was just a practical joke against him at points, (laughs) and and how long this movie took as well, where it took about three years of his life as well. Um, it's it's just outstanding. Oh, sorry, outstanding. But yeah, we'll we'll get to that shortly. But yeah, the movie itself, I mean, it's really difficult. I feel like to even have an opinion on this film, um. Because it it feels like you're watching a mess. Um, tonally, scenes are just completely different from scene to scene. Um, I feel like there are plots and subplots that come and go. Like, they just forget about them, and then they pick them back up. And it's like, oh, this this kind of TV angle, this show that she works on, and this appearance of this actor, it feels like it's going to have this big role in the movie, and then it, that's just kind of dropped. The dude, um,
1: the dude work colleague, where, like, yeah he is throughout the whole movie and in the the, the kind of who done it moments he won't show his hand he shows one hand and then <laughs> yeah. he's like show me the other hand he's like nah, yeah stop, we okay, ain't got time, time. for this <laughs> and, I'm like, and i was like dude like w- w- why are you so shady yeah <laughs> and was, and like, Pairs. <laughs> like did, did he get killed like, I can't he, remember. He, he, he just, he can, like, get, like just get like, uh, just thrown out of screen, and he never appears again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, and it's like it, it's just so
0: incoherent to follow. Even the start, where we're introduced to our characters, oh God, and, there's, and there's kind of like this car crash. I was so confused by like what happened, mm. because it was like the brother and sister, and then they hit a creature, which you assume was like the werewolf, and then suddenly, like, Shannon... Um, Elizabeth, that's her name, is there? Yeah, like she she's
1: been crashed as well. And I'm like well, I I kind the, of the bit, so what the, even happened there. The bit that blew my mind was they hit the werewolf, maybe another car, who knows, but then they mm. span fifty thousand times in the car. Yeah. And then they were still on the road, and Shannon Lisbeth was on the top <laughs> I was like... Did you just glitch or something? <laughs> like...
0: No, honestly, that, like, it it hurt my head immediately, just figuring out, like, the logistics of it. Mm. Um, and again, I feel like the more you watch films, the more this sort of stuff really rears its ugly head. Like, we talked about it with Megan this year. When you watch a movie that is so poorly edited and so poorly constructed, that it actually starts to, like, melt your brain a bit. Where it's almost like that impossible window in the shining where there's that Ooh. guy's office and he has like the background behind him. And it doesn't make sense with the <laughs> architecture of the, of the hotel, which is awesome in a movie like the shining. Cause it's supposed to be fucking with you all the time. But like, that's how I feel watching a movie like this. That's so poorly constructed because I- I'm losing track of who's important. What's going on? How much time has passed? What are the rules that you're establishing in this universe as well? Because it's a werewolf movie. So then you kind of take your own um, preconceived notions into the film But then they're purposely trying to subject a lot of those at times. So you're you're kinda like, okay, are they gonna do the full moon thing? Are they gonna do the silver bullet thing? And they kind of flirt with these and they sometimes use them, they sometimes don't and it just ends up being such a muddled mess of a film um even like these different subplots with like jimmy and the kind of the kid who's like bullying him at school oh my god that was in the the wrestling thing and it's like and that's kind of going somewhere that's just and again that's just dropped completely from the film and i I don't know it, it it really this 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 film really hurt my head a lot um and it was really disappointing because like going into this, I and I've I've seen Cursed, I think. <laughs> because having <laughs> now watched this, this felt like a completely brand new movie to nice. me. Nice. Um, which was exciting because I'm like, oh my god, it's a it's a werewolf movie. It's directed by Wes. It's written by Kevin Williamson. It's got a really interesting cast as well. I'm like mm. this this on paper. Really should have been fantastic. I think when you look at Wes's filmography and what he's known for, his big franchises, if if Cursed would have landed and he also had like, let's say a top five werewolf movie as well, to go alongside, you know, the best slasher franchise of the eighties, the reinvention of the slasher franchise and scream, these like random different movies and thrillers that he did as well that were awesome, like it would have just added so much to his legacy and i think all of the seeds were there like i mean rick baker being involved as well to do the werewolves like on paper everything about this movie was going to be awesome what, and i what also
1: did he do for the werewolves because i'll oh, we'll get just, to that like... <laughs> Uh, uh, we'll put a pin in the werewolf you carry
0: on yeah yeah we'll have to just kind of chuck it all together because there's just it really does unwind it answers every question you have about why is this film a mess plot wise why do the werewolves look so inconsistent from scene to scene like all of that gets answered when you read about this film and the absolute tragedy and mess of this film i mean it is a joke how this film even got released um but yeah it doesn't make for a good watch unfortunately and i think i was so disappointed because there there are moments like, especially in the first 30 minutes that i think there's seeds of something excellent which sadly isn't what the movie is at all but it i was thinking it was going to be like scream meets the thing where you have a gr- a young group of teens and they're slowly getting killed and butchered in, in different ways, like a scream movie only obviously that's the twist is that it's not a killer. It's one of them's a werewolf. And obviously like early on, you can play it super safe. You can have, you can use the first person, which they used early on. And I think one of the best scenes in the film um, and kind of, you know, show people get mauled and then, then escalate to, okay, now we have figured out in the middle act That one of us is a werewolf now it becomes the thing of like which one of us is the bad guy um and that could then be like a slight twist on screen but make it like a werewolf film i think that would be so awesome um and when when the movie hints at that early on was when i was most excited because you kind of have like four or five different suspects Mm -hmm. about what's actually happening but then like i say the movie doesn't do that It, it immediately declares like it shows you the girl, I don't even know what I can't remember what her name is. The the one that Judy Greer plays, uh, Joni. She's kind of revealed to be a werewolf, but then actually, of course, it's the boyfriend which, like, as an aside, I found hilarious because, yeah, I didn't remember anything about this film, but it was those those scream senses in me. The second I started watching this film, I was like, oh, I do, I do not trust this boyfriend. <laughs> um, the, second,
1: the second I started watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, the one where Joshua Jackson's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. I instantly remember it. <laughs>
0: It's so funny. Like, you, you really, you can take the scream out of Kevin, but you just can't take Kevin out of scream, can you? Because it, it was no. great. Like, and I think that was what was so really frustrating about this movie is that i almost consider this like an unofficial scream film where it was almost like what if scream was a werewolf
1: film well no it really it really feels like that at points yeah and i I think also it paves the way a lot for scream 4 i think yeah in 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 the way that we had this like final act that should have been the final act in yeah you know the whole movie was gearing up to this exhibition opening Mm. and you know that being the big you know there's all these horror franchises there and this is going to be the big thing and we got the big finale there and then suddenly you have 20 minutes left of the movie and the characters yeah. go back home and i'm like this is scream 4 like mm. scream 4 ends and then we have 15 minutes in the hospital yeah I'm like a, a lot of it felt felt like a prelude for that like just paving the way and just laying some groundwork to different things and plot devices
0: yeah now, that's a really good point. That is such a, a weird similarity that these two films have. And I feel like that was almost accidental with this film yeah. with its kind of change in all of its endings so many times. Yeah, um but it's absolutely true. And yeah, I just uh, that's what's so frustrating because it's not a good film. It's only interesting because of its story. And I think that the actually watching it is just it's just a forgettable um werewolf film. It has its moments. I'm I'm struggling to think of them now, for sure. Um but I think that yeah, in my mind, I'm just thinking of this as the what if what if Scream was a Werewolf film, but also and it was as good as all the Scream films. I'm like, oh, my God, it would have been so good. And I really do think that they, they clearly had the bones of it. They clearly had the talent involved. A lot of it was there. Yeah, of course it was. <laughs> I genuinely think you look at the the director, the writer... Rick Baker and this cast, I truly believe, is exceptional. It is purely just, um, the Weinstein company that got involved and just fucked this completely. Um, which we'll, yeah, we'll get to. But yeah, my, my overall impression is that it's just, it's sadly, so disappointing and i think this one hurts more than any of the other films because i think this is easily the one that could have been a top five wes movie had it been done right and it's clearly just he he got completely shafted by this one and we've we've talked about it a lot with serpent and the rainbow and vampire in brooklyn and all of these different productions that kind of had meddling hands for different reasons but this one is crazy to the point where it's like i i wouldn't be surprised if he said he just didn't want his name on this at all because yeah Yeah. when we're talking about the reshoots that he weren't even involved in and all of these different edits and it's like this isn't even a wes craven movie by the end of it it's not it's not written by kevin williamson it's not got the effects of rick baker like it's not got any of the things that it that it claims to be it just ends up being the soulless husk of a film um so yeah it's very frustrating
1: yeah, I mean, I definitely don't feel as strongly against it as you. Mm-hmm. I, I've i seen, like, I saw this movie a few times when it came out, so, like, I do have a weird little bit of, like, like you know, I wouldn't say nostalgia, but but kind of, like, familiarity, familiarity with it, where I'm, like, yeah. I'm watching it, and I'm, like, oh, okay, like... For me, the biggest thing I found was the inconsistencies with the werewolf and how bad it looked, like we get one of the worst werewolf transformations that we've ever seen in terms of, like, just horrible CGI.
0: Yeah, is that the journey one,
1: yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so that was the big
0: one that they replaced, where they had that ready to go, like Rick's team, and then they just completely threw it out and replaced it with CG.
1: Yeah, like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm. Like, what person on what planet? Like, I get that sometimes people get in and interfere and 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 that's annoying because you want the director to direct but what person was sat there going you've got the guy to do this scene and then do it do it practically i know let's just chuck some money and do a shitty cg version Mm. like it's awful it looks so bad the werewolf looks terrible at different points um i will always remember this movie for the middle finger
0: yeah that was like the only thing i knew was coming in this film
1: (laughs) like i forgot the context of it like how Mm. ridiculous it is that she's like calling her fat and like she has really fat thighs and she's like (laughs) i do not and then like just jump out and i I always in my head as well thought that she gave her the middle finger and then still escaped but Mm. i was like no she fucking dies like that's how (laughs) she gets taken out is she can't let someone talk smack about her she has to give it the middle finger like it's brilliant it's so it's so ridiculous i think um i think yeah there's just multiple parts of identity crisis when it kind of has this comedy with that you have this um you know jesse eisenberg side plot with his high school kind of romance and bully and bully then wanting to become his romance that, that it's just handled very poorly and and mm-hmm. and just just very um you know it, it felt like it was overtly for laughs but it but it felt like at no point would that have been funny let alone watching it in twenty twenty three but I don't feel like it was funny back then either no. it was just, it was just handled really bad where he was yeah. like, you know, when when the jock was like oh you know because you're one you you of course you'd know I'm one and it was just mm. it was just written so terribly like i said even even for what was this 2005 did you say yeah like, when it, it eventually
0: came out yeah, yeah like,
1: even for 2005 this was bad you know if this came i out, do like, not believe
0: for one second that kevin williamson wrote that either no. like i i just do not for as kevin williamson as an openly gay man there there is no way that he wrote this subplot it's so awful <laughs>
1: Yeah, it, it really is, and there's just there's just parts of it where you know it is a mess. But but like I said, I, I ended up kind kind of just enjoying like the the silliness of this. You know, uh, more of them discovering their powers and stuff. Where he was mm-hmm. like doing the wrestling and then getting good at it, and and like people getting yeah. attracted to them because the werewolf allure. And I was like, I like that a, as well. Yeah, it's almost like a Jennifer's body sort of situation. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I saw like, that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, if they'd have just done that more, because obviously, like her at her work, where like, yeah, suddenly you know, every time she walked through the the, yeah, all well, um, the extras in the background is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, like even like towards the end of the movie when she goes to the party and there's just the bloke on the desk and he's yeah. talking to like three women and he just like told his head to look at her. I was like, I just I loved that. I thought it was was really funny and like, yeah, I wish they'd have focused on on that more. And, and being this kind of coming of age, becoming a werewolf, instead of, like, ultimately they were just... Uh, I, I mean, a lot of it wasn't even werewolf. When you think that whole um, scene at the party, a lot of it was people, like, when we actually got the confrontation, and then the whole final scene was pretty much all people as well. You know, there might have been people on the ceiling, uh, walking on the ceiling, but but not necessarily um you know very little werewolf i mm. thought um but i i kind of enjoyed the whole dog getting infected as well how the dog yeah, that was his good. finger and then got infected like there were so many parts of it like plot wise that i kind of enjoyed but they were just these nuggets because there were just these these floating elements of plot that, that existed in this movie that, that never really got latched onto and got a start middle and end there were There were some bits of a plot that got a start and a middle. There were some that were just an end and and everything else. But but throughout the chaos, I kind of enjoyed parts of it. You know, the whole dog thing, I was like oh, this is brilliant. When is the dog going to turn up again? Nah, dog never turns up again until the very <laughs> end, but he's fine. Yeah. I, was like, I was like, how did that dog not pop up again? It was brilliant. The yeah, actual yeah.
0: ending with these, the return of these characters, and obviously like the horror fan in me is waiting for which one of these is going to be like the final stinger, like yeah. the final horror moment, and none of them are. Oh, <laughs> like Everyone's God. just fine. No. I was like,
1: this is crazy. No, this, when he fucking turns up, and he's like, look who I've brought, and she's like, yeah, I've got your dog. And then, yeah. and then he just like, can I take, can I, can I uh, walk you home? And then just starts kissing her. I was <laughs> like, this is this is like the most like unnecessary, unearned love love ending I've ever seen in any movie. Yeah, like even like you you find like the shittiest rom com out there. And that would still be way more justified than than this. Where yeah, it that's what's mad so... about this movie. It's what just so
0: totally that? mad, isn't it? Like, that there's I... there's such good shit, and then there's stuff like that that clearly isn't from the same mind. Where they just no. someone's wrote that end of like, oh, it needs to have a happy end. It's like, well, what if he kisses the girl? Oh, that'll work. Like, it's just yeah. mad.
1: Oh, it's br- yeah. Like, I-, I couldn't help but chuckle throughout the whole thing, though. Like when the three of them are then just wandering off together at the end of the movie, and she's like, "Well, I guess I'm just going to tidy up, guys." I'm like, "There, yeah. you are. <laughs> I was like, this fucking movie." I was so glad <laughs> you mentioned that. The
0: so the final line of the Wikipedia plot synopsis says. Uh Bo, Brooke, and Zipper arrive at the house. Bo and Jimmy are now friends. Jimmy kisses Brooke and walks her home along with Bo. Ellie is stuck with the cleanup of the messy house.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the funny. end of the it's film. Really, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's true. That is the end. Of, and I tell you that's that house is messy. It is messy. <laughs> it's really funny because before the final scene happens and they're they're tidying up the house already. I was already laughing because she's doing the worst job of tidying the house up I've ever seen in my (laughs) life. There's just like utter chaos around her. And she just has like a broom and she's just like sweeping nonsensically, just just sweeping one (laughs) bit of mess to another part of the room. I'm like, that's not how tidying works. And then, yeah, when the movie ended and and she was like, well, I guess I'm going to tidy up. I was just pissing myself because I was like, well, good luck, love. I really wanted it to be
0: like Pearl where like the credits are on the screen and we just see her just
1: cleaning the house for like ten minutes straight. (laughs) I love that. If that's a deleted scene, like Well everything else is, so Yeah, but but yeah, there was there was a lot that I as much as I kinda like have been ripping on it i i kind of just enjoyed it for like this mm. it reminded me of just cheese this this it is like very early... enjoyable i think the intro is really good like it's... with the all the stuff on the boardwalk and the, the
0: the was it the palm reader and all that. i think all that's really fun
1: i can't even i can't even like take in the opening scene <laughs> like it, it doesn't make sense to have a band sing a song and have them them feature heavily on the opening scene only for the for the for the film to start and they just disappear yeah it was like a music video for the film that just happened to be at the start of the film it makes no sense yeah because they're the first
0: thing you see on screen you know and And it's not like it's not just this
1: and then the first thing you see
0: yeah, so it's not just a song, like a soundtrack playing. You're seeing them play it. It says Bowling for Soup in big letters yeah. behind them. So it's, yeah. it's very much telling you who they are and why they're opening this film. Like, they're characters in the film. Yeah. And I really thought they were going to be in the movie more. Yeah. Like, I thought there would at least be a throwaway bit where the werewolf just wrecks them or something. Or yeah, they run they, away they or, or something like they're that. they're
1: playing in the gig, like, at the party later on or something. Yeah. You know, but they're just gone. They're just gone. And they're not, they're not even in that scene. Like, no. the, the, as soon as the opening credit titles go and they finish singing they're, they're gone from the i movie. will
0: say though with, with that the um because mm. we talk a lot about like cliches and stuff in these films mm. and and they certainly of that error and i think that word like you can probably use genre conventions but i think people me- understand what cliches mean more like it has such mm. a negative connotation what a cliche is but i think we talk about positive cliches and i talk a lot about loving the whole Characters walking into a pub, everyone stops talking and turns and looks at them. Like, I love that shit. It's a complete cliche, and I love it every single time. Um, And I also love the bands playing in a film cliche I think it was so good in the sort of 90s and early noughties you oh, saw that, that a lot and I always popped for it I think it was because of the it was a time when I was listening to certainly that genre of music that was being Ooh. used a lot at that time so it was always bands like Born of a Soup that we're fans <laughs> of but I loved that and I would love for them to bring that back I think there's so much potential for that I think with like Scream for example is such a self aware fun, fun franchise that it surprises me we haven't had like a live band scene in these recent it's, films well, Um
1: it's one way like, you don't want to do it how Saw did with like Chester, where it's mm. like just have him in as like an actor. It's like, no, yeah, no. you want them to you, play like, themselves, you want themselves, them yeah. to be singing, you want them to be performing. And if that can be somehow worked into the film, that, that you know, like my favorite was when there was a prom in, in one of those kind of early 2000s teen mm. movies, and it was like, well, you're gonna get like good Charlotte or something playing, it's yeah, be great. It's so and <clears throat> and it's like, yeah, that's exactly what I want is like scenes like that where it's just like there's a need for a band in this movie and it just turns out to be Papa Roach. I'm like, hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and, and yeah, like, even though this one is absolute nonsense, it makes no sense. Like honestly, seeing Boniface Soup and hearing him sing that song probably, probably kept me jazzed for a good 45 minutes.
0: I, me too i think yeah. that's why i enjoyed the first <laughs> half of this movie so much because i was still just singing it in my head and i was like oh they're oh they're gonna they're gonna turn up aren't they right right they're yeah. definitely gonna and, turn uh, up again
1: imagine, <laughs> imagine if they popped up at that party and sang a little bit of like punk rock 101 we'd, we'd have been saying <laughs> this is top five We <laughs>
0: Definitely, but sadly that wasn't the case. We um, like,
1: oh, do you know what the werewolf kind of sucks in this, and and the plot was kind of <laughs> nonsensical. Cool, but it was a fun movie when it I had a bang. <laughs> <band-tack.
0: laughs> it is like I'm glad you you kind of have defended this movie a bit though, because I think it's it's difficult to disconnect what the actual. Man like what happened because what happened was a mess yeah and clearly I think it's so obvious that it could have been amazing but I don't think the outcome is like dog shit like far from it I do think a lot of this is good I think for me my frustrations are the final act because that's when like nothing makes any sense and it's just mm-hmm. so unearned and the way like the boyfriend storyline is resolved is just terrible like it a lot of my frustrations is the final 30 minutes when I think or, or less than that sort of 1520 mm. when it really Falls apart because so I think up until eight, like you say the 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 kind of fake out ending, the reveal of Joni as the werewolf. I think I was pretty much on board until that mm. point. Like I was liking learning about their different powers, like you said. I liked that for him, it more man- manifested in like a masculine strength way, whereas for her, it was more of like a sexy feminine way. I think that worked for both those characters. Um, I really liked the stalking scene that I mentioned in the sort of car park and the the stuff yeah. in the elevator. I thought was really good. Like the early stalk stalking scenes
1: were Again, really the car- good. The car park scene, I was like, <clears throat> "Fucking stream four. Yeah, um, exactly. I know it's mad, isn't it? <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, there were so many moments where I was like, it really felt like this this prelude in a lot of ways. Yeah,
0: that's a really good point. I'd never even noticed that watching this film, but it's you're so it's so right because yeah, it's almost like what was it? Deadly blessing was like the prelude to Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. And yeah, I feel like mm. Kevin definitely took the seeds of good shit and just made a much better film afterwards. Um Yeah,
1: he was like, Oh Wes, should we just go back and make a screen movie? And yeah. Like, I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, let's get away from this this other shite. Um we also we also got kind of a, a final burning human being in a West Craven movie. Mm. Like, you know, we got a burning man, it, it, he just suddenly he he turned to dust very quickly. Yeah. Um And I feel like, I feel like it's probably the last time we're going to get to see that. Like I'm almost certain we don't get one in Red Eye. Yeah, I'm, and, I'm certain about. Uh, I don't.
0: I could have no yeah, idea about maybe. the other one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, <who> knows? <laughs> well, I was thinking about the end of Red Eye. Like, does he get burnt in some way? Maybe he does. No, no. no. Yeah, the, it's
0: funny you mentioned the Burning Man um, classic uh, Wes because I did notice a, a couple of the other tick boxes for a Wes Craven movie. Um, nice. Obviously, dog acting plays a massive role in this mm-hmm. film, which is always great. Mm-hmm. Um, not one of the best ones. It's more for comedic effect and then special effects in terms of the actual acting of the dog shall we say um he's certainly no beast um but i enjoyed it for what it for for what it was Um, and then also we get some classic kind of a character crawling on a roof um which they clearly use the old night run elm street trick of the upside down set Um, so i love any time they wheel that old trick out because it just it looks amazing every single time i love it it's like it's it's one of those tricks that and i think that's why like christopher nolan basically used it for uh, inception But it's like, it's one of those things where if you don't know how it's done, it looks amazing. And like, and and even knowing Mm. how it's done, it still looks awesome. But in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, that lampshade's actually upside down. Like you're, you're still thinking about it, but it still looks amazing.
1: Like it's, it's one as well, where I was like, why is he, why can he now attach himself to ceilings? I'm like, (laughs) when you think you don't think, oh yeah, they walk on ceilings. Yeah. you know. But but, but then the second he got on the ceiling, I was like, you know, I don't care. Like, it's great. Yeah, and like when he creeping round the front door to come back in on this i was like oh brilliant!" like keep the ceiling going yeah that's what's like, weird about this movie
0: is that it has these like weird little details like the there's the, the car park and stalking scene which i think is so good and and like, like i said with the use of first person i think is great and that's why it would have been so good in more of a It to not reveal what the killer looks like you know like if that's the first kill of your movie and you are thinking it's going to be just a, a normal slasher you know from the from literally the two guys that brought you scream comes cursed and and i love that as a concept as well and that brings it more to the thing of like one of us has been cursed but we don't know which one of us is cursed like that there's oh god it could just be so good it really really frustrates me
1: when they had like that first night and she had this weird lucid dream Mm of her boyfriend and everything else. And she woke up like weird. And then he just wakes up naked outside. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, well which one of them cut? And that was good. That was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, there was so many parts of the movie that, that made me happy. Yeah. Like he fucking woke up naked. I was like, that's so brilliant. But for me, I really do think if they'd have made the werewolf not look as dog shit mm. throughout the whole movie, uh, this this movie could have been much higher on my list. Yeah, like because I, I did actually enjoy a lot of it for for all of its faults. I just found it to be this this campy early two thousands chaotic fun. Um, the ending is a mess, though, isn't it? But it is a mess. <laughs> is a mess. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, it's a mess. But I just like the I I thought the werewolves looked terrible the whole for the whole movie, and th- that was a huge disappointment for me oh yeah that like, especially when they have wolfman yeah in the, in the fucking like in the props i'm like oh yeah that's like what a good werewolf can look like
0: yeah the fact that they are evoking these the classic werewolf stuff in the genre and, and yeah. obviously having rick on board i think that's why it's such sacrilege is <clears throat> is the fact that you watch this film and his name is front and center on the opening credits and that's what you get i think is like genuinely a disgrace like here oh, is a guy who has made, I think, probably the best makeup effects in the history of cinema, and you're doing him this dirty. I, 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 that is enough for me to hate this movie in of itself, and I won't, I won't do that. But like, that is so annoying to me as someone who loves his work and loves American Werewolf in London so much. Like to see his great name dragged like this in this thing that he has nothing to do with ultimately by the end of the, of the finished product. Yeah, it's crazy. Um. But yeah, I, I forgot to say with the with the car park scene and the kind of first person, yeah, like the small details, like when when it goes on the mm. the rooftop of the car, and then it goes back as she mm. kind of turns away. You see like all the claw marks on the top of the roof, and I'm like, oh, it's little things like that that would have been so cool. Ha- again, had they tried to portray it as early on you didn't know what the killer was because that would have been such a little subtle thing of like oh wait there's scratch marks on there like this is clearly more of an animal rather than a human being um oh so yeah there's just
1: there is potential for that um and we got it with the shannon elizabeth like when she just got dragged Mm -hmm. it was like what the dragged her like is it supernatural is it a monster was it an animal was it a person you know and then (laughs) And then suddenly Jimmy's like, well, that was a werewolf. And like I say, even with like that, Jimmy. that would make sense. Because
0: you can, you can have him be cast as like the crazy eccentric, like, oh, yeah, of course yeah. he thinks it's a werewolf because he's reading his little comics all day. Um, mm. and, and no one believes him. But then it turns out that he is actually the only one who's right. Like... Well,
1: yeah, because his research was fantastic because he was like looking at books mm. on werewolves, yeah. which already is like sketchy. Yeah. But then he would just transition to a comic. Yeah. I was like, I love you so much. Like like, he's just like reading this comic and it's like, Well, you know, in in Wolfman episode fourteen, uh, silver is not always effective, so we need to just sever the head. I'm like, Well clearly, clearly, Jimmy, like Clearly, you're right. Like the, the comic told you, that was absolutely fantastic. Um, I also
0: loved the use of early internet in this film. Um, it's some, changed my mind. This is a ten
1: out of ten. Like <laughs> I, I, I,
0: that's another thing that I'll pop from this timeline of early yeah, internet because yeah. I just have such nostalgia for it. These aws, these awful HTML websites, and again, back in the day of like you would just yeah, werewolf, fun. you'd click on the first thing, and it's just complete spurious nonsense written by a psychopath. But you re- you, mm. you believe every word of it. There is there's no citations there's no like actual evidence of anything on there it's just yeah we're real look at this mad gnarly picture that i drew last night and and you just believed it and i love that i mean, I mean
1: that, that that's 2023 bro like it's just more glossy now that's all that fucking is like it's still the same psycho he's just had years of practice so now he's got a better website and a better production to yeah, it yeah it's still the same as bullshit
0: you're <laughs> never just all on twitter instead
1: um <laughs> But yeah, I love that. Yeah, stuff. I just love it. Where it's like, yeah, I love the do. I love his chain of thought as well for like clicking on the Google search. <laughs> like I could have watched him Google werewolf history for like an hour and a half. Yeah,
0: yeah it is weird. <laughs> like, this movie has like, we would have gone
1: down a rabbit hole of like him looking up the Loch Ness monster and shit, mm-hmm. and like you know, fucking all of these different like urban legends. It could it could have been it could have been great. Yeah.
0: It really good and that, i think that's what's weird about it is you you watch it and there are so many there's so many really good elements like i, I keep mentioning them, but i think the cast is really good like yeah. i really like just everyone in it and i think it's um it is. ellie
1: was probably my least favorite yeah but i still i still liked everyone yeah i
0: agree like, i think it's because her character is the, is the one that suffers the most from the cuts where it doesn't it just doesn't make any sense who she is. And I think as soon as you have that classic we talk about that a lot as like if the lead character's main talking point or identity as a main character is I'm in a shitty relationship, that's something that just mm. immediately turns me off from that character. And so that was something of like, Oh yeah, we've been dating for like I think they
1: said like two months at this point. And it, she she's all the stereotypes in one mm. though. I'm in a shitty relationship, I'm in a job where I'm undervalued. Yeah. My, you know, my brother that looks to me as a parental figure I have issues with. Mm. Like, there were so many of these stereotypical things that she had all bought into one character.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, Should we we get into some of the 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 behind-the-scenes bullshit? Um, Oh, let's do it. Yeah, I'm going to try and... Oh, God, I mean, people can pull up, like, because I'm just going through the Wikipedia page, because there is so much on here. Um, And it is fascinating to read, because you just kind of get a sense of, like the overall, like, the Cliff Notes version is that, yeah, this is Dimension Films, obviously co-founded by the Weinstein uh, brothers, um, Harvey and Bob, and they, they fucked everything. Like they, they take the full blame on this one. Um, it, it blows my mind that the kind of, like, the Weinstein company and Dimension Films had so many hits over the years and so many great mm-hmm. films, and it must have just been when he was out sexually abusing women. Um, because... Well, I think that's
1: probably it. Yeah, because yeah,
0: whenever they were actually involved in producing, it seems like they did every bad decision they could possibly make um so and i'm just so glad that they're not a a company for many reasons but yeah it's um basically the the first thing that this says here which again blows my mind after watching the film is that the first draft of the script was written by kevin in around august 2000 and followed the exploits of a new york city serial killer who discovers that his lethal tendencies are due to his lycanthropic nature So that's very much in line with what I was discussing. Um, you know, uh, obviously that's following it more from like a serial killers point of view. Um, Mm. like I'm always wondering if that'd be like an American psycho style film. Um, but yeah, it just, it's so different to what we got. Um, this is when, obviously, they wanted to get Wes Craven on board. He was in the final stages of pre-production at the time of a movie called Pulse, which uh, did end up coming out. I remember seeing that, actually. God, I remember Pulse. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an interesting film, actually. I think it's like a remake of, of, of another film um, from yeah. Asia. Um, but basically, he got pulled off that movie 10 days before he was supposed to start shooting and was basically forced to make this film. Um, and it's weird, because I'm assuming it was because he had a contract with, with them. So it was like, oh, no, you're not making this film. You're not making this other film um and he was not happy so they doubled his pay to do this film um at the time he didn't well, at least he got paid. yeah at least he got paid but he we'll, got paid right yeah we'll we'll get to that um but the the um wes said at the time that he thought the script was too similar to vampire in brooklyn um, which is why he didn't want to make this film, which I find to be, also be interesting. Um, <laughs> this is when they also got Rick on board. So this was a very much like they, they talked about there's going to be a modern hip twist <clears> on the <throat> classic werewolf tale. And so this had, you know, these three big names attached, yeah. like what could possibly go wrong? Um, Isn't the
1: Weinsteins.
0: Yeah. This is when we start getting cast in and we like Jesse Eisenberg and uh, Christina Ricci, c- a couple of the early people to sign up who obviously ended up in the final movie, but there's a whole host of names here that you might recognize that, they're not in this film. Um Scott Foley was supposed to be in this movie, of course of Scream Free Fame. Great. He was originally cast as Ellie's boyfriend Kyle, which as you'll know is not his even his name in the film that we watched. <laughs> um he's not in the movie. Ski Ulrich, uh, Ulrich, uh obviously he signed up as the lead uh, for this film in uh, March 2003. Um But he was to play Vince Winston The burnout son of a millionaire Who gets bitten and cursed by the beast Um, That does not sound like a character That's in the film I watched Um, No I'm going to say that that sounds like a character In a Kevin Williamson script That then uh, didn't get made Exactly so it's already a mess But then you've got names like Robert Forster Was supposed to be in this Corey Fieldman was cast as himself Um, There's a few actors in this that kind of play themselves Which did end up in the film Um, Heather Langenkamp was going to be in the script as well um also john c mcginley was going to be in this film as kind of jimmy's abusive dad um brilliant so there's all these names and then yeah basically production got shut down i
1: want i want that side plot
0: i know it's just insane like this this movie was so different where production was shut down and then when they restarted production like half a year later it resumed with a new script where new roles were added and others were completely rewritten so this is why skeet dropped out because he was unsatisfied with his character's transformation and that's when joshua jackson was cast to replace him and that character was then renamed jack and retooled as ellie's boyfriend so it's basically a brand new character um who ends up being one of the most important characters in the film um and in all of those other names like robert forster and heather and john c mcginley they were written out because their characters th- their characters were Writing out of the new script so they just couldn't repri- reprise their roles
1: <laughs>
0: so it's like oh yeah those movie you signed on for yeah those characters don't exist anymore so we don't need you anymore um just an absolute mess and then yeah, shooting this film it, it took so long where initially it was going to shoot early 2003 to then come out mid 2003 and that didn't happen um it initially had a budget of 35 million which by the end of this like almost two-year shoots ballooned to 100 million dollars um there was countless reshoots. This is when kind of when they shut down production, this was when Rick Baker got really annoyed um, because he was prepping like the final transformation effects. And obviously mm. this stuff takes so long where they have to like mold the actors and do all this crazy no, stuff. That's,
1: that's what's so disappointing. Yeah. This is what
0: really like angers the, me.
1: that You've got like the guy that does this mm. shit and, and he's done all of the prep and he's done all of the work and he just doesn't get to execute his vision. Yeah um you know that that really triggers me
0: oh it's so frustrating but yeah he was like they were really close to getting it done when they shut down the production he basically said to them look if this is ever going to start up again just keep a few of my guys on for an extra month we'll get this stuff in the can we'll then put it away and it'll be ready for you whenever you want to start this production again and they were like mm. nah we don't want to do that so he was like well fuck it then i'm I'm gone so that was when he exited the project um Also another name which gets mentioned here a lot is editor Patrick Lussure, who's kind of, he's been involved in pretty much all of Wes's movies. Like his name is on every poster for every good Wes Craven movie. Um, and he was (laughs) got to oversee this where, um, he was supposed to be on this for like nine weeks, I think it was. And he ended up working on this film for like two years. Um, because it just kept coming in different, yeah so before the reshoots there was an original 90 minute film and the only thing that's missing was the ending as well as like obviously visual effects and the score and that sort of thing but the rest of the movie was done um and this is when they kind of had like john c mcginley was in the film and all these other characters um and that's when the screenplay got major rewrites and this is what what turned even ellie and jimmy into siblings like they weren't even siblings in the original thing that they shot which again just shows you how much of a goddamn mess this film was, um, and and obviously merged Vince now into Ellie's boyfriend Jake. Um, but apparently, of that original ninety-minute film, there's about twelve minutes of the film ended up being in the film that we saw. Um, so yeah, they restarted. This is obviously when they when they threw away the practical designs in in, in, in lieu of the more digital effects because obviously Rick didn't want to work on the movie anymore. Um, yeah it goes on that there was four different reshoots as well um so they, they literally even joked when they came back that they made shirts saying cursed for back for more um because it was like they'd basically shot four films worth of content at that point this was in 2004 so this is still a year before the movie actually ended up coming out um and then yeah there's a few like quotes from the actors which is interesting um the well, there was a good one here, like Judy Greer was talking about the movie in 2014, saying she, I don't know why the movie got so fucked up. I don't understand it. I thought the script was fine. Honest to God, I didn't get the big deal. I don't know who kept making them fuck with it. We shot the movie for like seven years. I think they said we had four movies worth of footage. It was so fun, but so weird. I don't get it. I couldn't figure it out. Um, I also love Jesse Eisenberg's quote, uh, from 2019. Um, He said, the first movie was more interesting and provocative. I don't know why it wasn't working. Now that we know the behind the scenes of the Weinstein company, it makes sense as to why it was so chaotic. Um, So I love that he just throws them under the bus there. Um, He also talks about, yeah, they they filmed 90% of the original film that was going to clearly have a much bigger budget. Um, And he said the second version was definitely them cutting corners in different ways. Uh, He also said, the plot, I thought it was so stupid. I thought the plot was so cliche. Why did they make us brother and sister? Uh, the things they kept from the original film were little snippets, like a car rolling down a hill. They would keep that shot, but they threw everything else away. Um, <laughs> so yeah,
1: it... we we spoke about that, but like you know, the the car rolled down the hill for no reason. <laughs> because they didn't actually fall down a him. No exactly. And it, like, I, I love that like that's the scene that he called yeah. out that they kept in. I know. It, brilliant. it is
0: amazing. Like I love hearing everyone come out and talk shit about this film because <laughs> it's just everyone's unhappy that worked on it and it sucks. I'm glad all, most of these people were talking about pretty much everyone went on to greater pastures. Um but god it's just so frustrating. It's the type of thing that they will you know, just an aside, like I was going to say, I can't believe Wes Craven wasn't more jaded with the film industry. Um, yeah, because to me, he always came across like such a, a... He was so happy to talk about the film industry and what it had given him. And he clearly always was a guy that would look at what the film industry gave him rather than what it took for him. But he's a, he's mm. a better man than I am because I would have been so pissed off with this stuff. <laughs> and And we've seen a lot of people be jaded on very small things and hold grudges for a very long time. And it makes me yeah. kind of... I guess respect them more for doing it. And and then also respect Wes and being like, I don't know how you're this big and, and can just move on from this because yeah, this is mm. two to three years of your life that was ruined. That is then your names put on this movie that you all ultimately had n- almost nothing to do with. Um, So that does just blow me away. Um, But then we get to the rating, which is sort of the final nail in the coffin, really, is that in in the fall of 2004, Dimension Films cut the film to a PG-13 rating instead of the planned R rating. Um, And this is where uh, Wes Craven says, uh, the contract called for us to make an R-rated film. We did. It was a very difficult process. Then it was basically taken away from us and cut to PG-13 and ruined. It was two years of very difficult work and almost 100 days of shooting on various versions. Then at the very end, it was chopped up and the studio thought they could make more with a PG-13 movie and trashed it. I thought it was completely disrespectful, and it hurt them too. It was like they shot themselves in the foot with a shotgun. Um, so yeah, they they just, even after all these reshoots, they basically had a third movie. They, they still then fucked it on the last hurdle, um, thinking they could make more money, which they didn't. Um, one of the biggest examples is, is the Jenny's death scene in the elevator It was apparently super gory, where you see like a dead body get ripped apart. There was um, scenes that were used in the Fangoria article that was published before the movie that kind of got people really excited for how gory this movie was going to be um and that's just not in the film at all um and yeah kind of i think that's pretty much it yeah just talking about how this was such a long experience that ended up yeah Wes was talking about this was two and a half years and even though they doubled his fee it was still not worth it for him um because it yeah it just killed him for two and a half years basically and he luckily Mm -hmm. he went on to do red eye after this um but yeah Yeah, and then the the final note, I guess, is there has been murmurs of these different versions. Um, This final bit's really interesting because it says in July 2021... Uh, Brian Collins from Screamfest blog did a review and comparison between the final film and then both Craven's original unfinished cut and the first reshot version. So the one before it was cut to make it a PG 13. Um, I want to see both. So bad. yeah. And it says, which surfaced from VHS work prints, and <laughs> both versions were apparently praised as superior to the final version. So, cause I remember that there was also the kind of release the Craven cut campaign a few while, uh, a few years ago for this film. And I thought that Hang kind on. of, end into that was like yeah those movies basically don't exist but i want to look up this brian collins now what he did in july 2021 because um I'm fascinated with work prints. I think one of my the famous ones for me is the Rob Zombie work print of his original version of Halloween. Um, I have a copy of that, and I really love it. I I love the movie that he ended up making, but like the work print is so different, and I really, really love that version of the film. Um, and it's cool that that kind of leaked out there, so it's out there so people can compare and contrast. But yeah, I
1: didn't think it, that existed um, with this film, but apparently it does, like the two versions as well. Yeah, it's gnarly to see, like... Um how different a movie can be. You know, that's one that we 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 have seen and it's like man like the the movie is so different they're, and they're both so good for different for different reasons yeah definitely i mean
0: could you imagine um, what that original version of this film is because obviously there's the original version no. that we, which apparently just doesn't have an ending but is pretty much done then we have the first reshot version and then we have the fully uncut reshot version with the actual i, I think there might even be a version where the practical effects are all still in there as well before they kind of added the digital stuff. Because that's, I think, mm. one of the main reasons why the digital stuff looks so shit, is it's clearly not done the way you're supposed to do digital effects. It's literally just put over <laughs> the practical effects.
1: Um, yeah, it reminded me of, like, scenes from, like, some of these, like, 80s movies that you watch where they just kind of, like, had to do CG shit to, to fill in. Yeah. You know, Ghostbusters go, go, was one where they were like, oh, the movie's coming out in two months. <laughs> and they're like, can you, can you put, like... A ghost in this scene. They're like, sure, where do you want it? They're like, well, we didn't care. Here's some footage in New York, put some ghosts in it. They're like, that's my house. That's my CD. Yeah, <laughs>
0: I know, it was great back in the day. Oh, it was so mad.
1: <laughs> oh, you gotta love it. But that was, you know, that was the fucking 80s, not in 2004. <laughs> I know.
0: That's what's so crazy. And yeah, obviously, this movie bombed pretty much. I think it made around mm. 25 to 30 mil, which, yeah, it is so much less than what this ballooned up to being. And it wasn't yeah, received well and obviously it's it's then I think Wes Craven has kind of disowned it or, or at least did at some point point. Um, and then like I say the last thing was the kind of people talk about the release the Craven cut which ended up not really happening or doing anything it was weird because um, again the editor Patrick was talking about um, he said it was unlikely due to the ending never being shot and also the lack of popularity um, because obviously it would need to be this like massive thing like, like Justice League was to basically happen mm. um, but and he also claimed he had no idea who owned the rights to the film anymore Due to like Miramax being split up and revert into other companies over recent years, so it's like no one knows. I was public domain. Yeah, like that. Like no one knows where it is. But like I thought, mm. uh, that's what I've learned in in this recent week and reading this is I thought it just didn't exist. But like apparently it does out there, so I am uh, I'm definitely going to be doing some sleuthing in the next week or two because I need to get my hands on these work print editions. I- I'm like so obsessed with this now that I need to f- I need to see anything. Like if there's actually versions of this movie that has like John C. McGinley in it and just other actors that aren't in the film I watched, like I need to watch it
1: yeah i would love to i would absolutely <laughs> love to. maybe we'll do that and we'll, we'll,
0: we'll, we'll maybe re- yeah, maybe that it. can
1: be our new oh, i'm re- so damn for that <laughs> imagine if we like, got that multiple of curse.
0: the work print version of curse that doesn't have an ending
1: <laughs> yeah yeah do we, where do we rank that on with craven's list because that's more of his actual movie <laughs> exactly
0: um but yeah i mean do, do we have anything else to add or do you should we i think it's time to rank this isn't it yeah I had a, i've had a great time yeah so yeah the ranking so far Sixteen films um as we get to these final three entries now so yes still reigning king at number one for now (laughs) um is a nightmare on elm street um and and, yeah before we get into the rest of the list like as we keep saying this can change at any point but we might just be trolling you guys and on the final episode we might just like put in a new film at number one you know yeah. Maybe we're just secret fans president. of the people under the stairs. After all, you know. So let's
1: let's be honest. It's going to be Hills of Eyes Part Two.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. We'll see what that is for now. But yeah, number two uh, is crazy to think of. Scream as number two of anything, but it is number two as of right mm. now. Uh, number three, Scream Four. Number four is that Hills of Eyes Part Two that you just mentioned. Uh, oh, yeah. Rounding out the top five is the Hills of Eyes. Number six is Scream Two. Number seven is Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Uh, number eight is Shocker. Number nine, The Last House on the Left, uh, rounding out the top ten, is Scream Free. Um, then we have the final six movies of The People Under the Stairs, Swamp Thing, Deadly Blessing, Deadly Friend, Vampire in Brooklyn, and Bringing Up the Rare is The Serpent and the Rainbow. So, Cursed. Um, I've I got a feeling it's not going to be cracking that top ten. <laughs> <laughs>
1: probably not no 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 i mean i mean you i think i think what we need to do is you work it up the list as far as you're going to work it up the <laughs> list and then and then i'll, I'll go from there
0: <laughs> well i mean it's it, listen like it's obviously better than these bottom films um because there's so much mm-hmm. to like in this film and i and i think that even though I do have to judge the film, it it's so difficult because I really think the bones of something excellent are here. Um, but I obviously can't judge it on potential, I have to judge the film. Um but I still think what I saw was clearly better than those bottom three films. Um mm-hmm. it's clearly not as good as Scream Three. Um mm-hmm. I would say it's I would say it's not as good as People Under the Stairs either um so i'm looking at two films right now i'm looking at swamp thing and i'm looking at deadly blessing and it's like and then cursed and i and and those three are such different films um (laughs) like deadly blessing i said at the time i find to be quite a boring film to watch um but i massively respected it and it's kind of legacy made of three oh by far and i think in terms of his legacy there was the beginnings of of the amazing stuff that was later i think it's really original the story um it's just pretty boring um and way too long um and then swamp thing is just a camp mess and it, but it's a different kind of mess. The curse because it almost feels like an intentional mess um, that is ridiculous, but really, really fun. Um, and then there's cursed, which has like I think the highest highs out of all three of those films, but probably the lowest lows as well. And and certainly just such an awful ending. Like I really cannot stress how much I hated the last twenty minutes of this film. Um, so yeah i don't know how I feel right now it's some for, for me anyway it's somewhere in that place am i am I way off or are you around that area
1: no i think I think for me, I was thinking it's i'm like does it go above or below people under the stairs mm. and like when i 'm thinking about it i'm like I think it goes below people under the stairs for me mm. um, I had it above those two um, for me i think there's a there's a gap between that list before we've added cursed to it i think there was a gap between people under the stairs and swamp Fiend yeah in terms of level and i think cursed is closer to that people under the stairs level so so i think i think for me it goes behind people under the stairs
0: yeah i'm, I'm happy with that like i think you, you clearly have more of a passion for this movie than i do so i'm, I'm more than willing than to defer on this one um Plus I was very close to that anyway um so yeah i'm I'm more than happy with this being the new number twelve on the list um was mm-hmm. under the people under the stairs but above swamp thing um so yeah, we have seventeen movies for now, um oh boy. So yeah, the next one.
1: I still don't know how I feel about the the the, the top movie. Yeah, like, it's I really hard, don't. isn't it? It's really like, hard. Like the longer I haven't seen Nightmare on Elm Street, and the longer that good screen movies <laughs> been coming out, I'm like, I'm like, I feel like before we finish this, we might have to do a podcast where we rewatch Nightmare on Elm Street and screen. yeah, yeah, <laughs> the head like, to head, yeah. the final head to head. Yeah. I know. Because I, I don't know how I feel. It's
0: weird, because I look at Scream with a 2 next to it, and it feels wrong. Because I'm like, Scream is the best of any list uh, that you ever want to put it on. But then I'm like, yeah, but A Nightmare on Elm Street is, is perfection. Like, it's so yeah. good. And I think, ultimately, for me, why it becomes difficult is because clearly the better franchise is Scream. And it's, like, not even yeah. close. And I think that's why you have to really it's so hard to take those biases away from it because you can't think about you can't think about freddy in those later sequels in the same way it's not fair to think about how good scream four is or even scream six this year like it's just uh, that's
1: not fair but it but it is because we have three other scream movies on this list of craving Mm. you know they all get ranked as well like yeah it's not nightmare on street versus scream yeah, in terms franchise. of franchise.
0: Yeah. Sorry, yeah. As yeah. I like um, say, but it is also hard we, to disconnect that because that's the reality we live in. Like the reality ooh. we live in is we've had three, oh, sorry, five excellent scream sequels after that, and, and it's like ooh. that's not the case with Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah,
1: no, it is. I, I, I really, I really do like the idea of a, a final head to head rewatch mm. of <laughs> yeah, just to like tap off the 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 craving, you know, because we. We also watched Scream for the podcast so long ago. <laughs> yeah, like so long ago. Our Scream retrospective was. Yeah, we, we shall see. I, I do right. like the
0: idea of that. Yeah. But the um, we've still got two more movies. Um, I was going to say we might have a number one. Yet, I know we won't. Know. We won't. Obviously, we're not going to mention too much. But yeah, the next one on the list. I know we're both incredibly excited to finally talk about officially on this podcast, um, which is of course Red Eye. And I think yeah, I already have my. I- my brand new 4k copy uh 2020 free release which w- seemed like it just came out for us really um mm. and yeah i've been i've been i've been dying to watch this so uh now knowing that this will be probably in the next month or so we'll get to watch this i cannot wait um so you can probably infer what i think about this movie given that i bought the 4k but who right. knows maybe oh, i'm trolling maybe i absolutely detest this film and i just wanted to spend 20 pound on it um yeah i mean i did
1: buy the troll blu-ray collection oh that's amazing so that is genuinely one of the best
0: blu-rays i own
1: is that troll collection people don't have that it really is yeah eureka eureka
0: films in the uk did troll troll 2 and best worst movie and that i always watch all three in the same sitting like i can't help myself yeah
1: (laughs) it's fantastic it's fantastic like it it, it is honestly one of my favorite that i have as well yeah i
0: absolutely genuinely love it it's so good um like that and like one cut of the dead yeah yeah those i love those weird like special releases like that they're just so cool um
1: i i I have to have like four and a half hours to watch one cut of the dead as well if i ever I know. Yeah, it's like
0: you gotta watch the movie, then you gotta watch the making of, then you gotta watch uh, the sequel.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then well, you know, you have to watch the movie, then the making of, then the movie again. Yeah. Then the sequel. <laughs> yeah. That's how it goes. <laughs> but it's lucky it's not That's too fun. long,
0: but it is, yeah, it's probably about four hours if you want the dead man. <laughs> oh, it's so good.
1: Um I swear there's another feature as well. Oh, it's the the oh god there's another feature isn't there isn't it the 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 camera on the oh no that's the making of isn't yeah. it yeah I think there might be Like another making of this. I don't know there's, there's another feature That I
0: normally watch as well Like on that goddamn Blu-ray Yeah there is more Of a talking one Well I, I don't know If that's mm. part of it. Oh yeah so yeah You do have You have the uncut Just like GoPro basically But then you have mm. The sick making of where, where like I remember specifically The director has like The mind map On his whiteboard Where he's trying To dis- <laughs> He's like and, he, and, it, Everyone and, yeah, and the camera pans To the cast And I've never seen People look more confused In their life <laughs> It's like if you're trying To watch a Chris Nolan movie For the first time like it's it's so amazing um yeah Yeah. if people haven't seen that this is now our one cut of the dead retrospective um (laughs) yeah
1: i mean sometimes sometimes tangents are worth exactly i think the the troll blu-ray collection and one cut of the dead (laughs) blu-ray are are two two uh, uh, tangents that are very worth mentioning They're, they're both exquisite and and i think as well like Conversations about because we've just had a very long conversation about how the more you know of, of how a film got mm. made, the more you dislike the film. Yeah. Because I didn't do as much research on Cursed as you did, mm. and I think that that's very evident from the conversation we just had. Yeah, definitely. And I think both of those, Troll and and One Cut of the Dead, those movies are made better because of the added stuff that goes with them. Oh, Best worst movie you know, is the sole reason why you should watch Troll 2. (laughs) And, 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 and if you watch the, the making of One Cut of the Dead, you're going to love One Cut of the Dead more. Like it's, it's, just those two things are two absolutes in life
0: no you're absolutely right the best worst movie made me absolutely love troll 2 like i unequivocally love that film and i there's no way i would have without best worst movie so yeah it's it's so awesome
1: um no and the best part about troll is that we genuinely Troll. Love- yeah, well, and also Four. Troll 1 is, Four, is a
0: genuinely yeah. great horror film as well. Mm. <laughs> that's what's mad about it. It has no connection yeah. to Troll 2 at all. It's so good. There's not even any trolls in Troll 2. Oh, we can't get into it. Um, that's another podcast. I know what I'm doing too. <laughs> yeah, watching eight hours of all those things we just mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs sleep? It's fine. Um, yeah. But yeah, apparently that was our discussion on Cursed. Uh, we will take a quick break oh, yeah. and we will be right back. So yeah, that that's pretty much it for another week. Um, hey,
1: what what are we coming back for, bro? Like we we just we just had our uh, spin off. Uh nonsense conversation mid-reviewing mid, mid reviewing that movie. Yeah, pretty
0: much. Like we're done. We're, we're signing off now. But yeah, Just as, as a final <laughs> note, obviously we're back in the cinema now, which I'm very excited for. Um, mm. I'm, I'm glad it's in the order we're getting it as well. Obviously we're getting Renfield next, um, which I think is like a good palate cleanser. Um, hopefully it's funny and hopefully it's a good time. About that. And then, yeah, I'm glad that then we then get the proper, a big proper horror film in Evil Dead Rise. Um, a lot yeah. of expectations on this one. Obviously, I mean, we've talked about time and time again but it's worth mentioning like we genuinely adore evil dead like i feel like it's one of those franchises that we don't talk enough about because we talk about nightmare on elm street and hellraiser and scream and these different ones but like we adore all of the evil dead films and the tv show so so much um like in terms of just overall quality it's one of the things we love the most
1: um yeah i was gonna say if you're talking horror ip evil dead is like up there with the highest most consistent like when we talk about screen yeah
0: 100 percent. so like the fact that there's a new film coming and it's like man i can't wait you know obviously there's so much about it of like it's not the same canon or whatever and it's a different take and we both have reservations about the setting and the trailer and stuff but like i'm still i'm still cannot wait when it's in front of me and i'm going to be watching a brand new Mm. evil dead film on the big screen which is the way it should be as well like Obviously when this movie first got talked about it was going to be just a streaming film and we've seen that oh, with yeah. like that you know the predator movie last year and stuff like that that these big franchises have revert you know hellraiser seeing the return of hellraiser last year on the small screen like I'm so happy that this is a cinema release and we get it day and date yeah, exactly. um so yeah very, yeah, very excited. no i can't wait for the next few weeks should be great <clears throat> the, more,
1: <clears throat> the more i see of renfield though there's like another trailer that's done the rounds right. like the more i'm like man i don't i don't know like, i don't
0: know either yeah I, i'm keeping an open mind because I, would... I want it to be good but i always had reservations because i genuinely think nick cage is gonna be in this movie for about 10 minutes so i just hope
1: that i like the rest of it <laughs> yeah 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 i mean yeah i i just we'll see next week yeah we'll see i hope it's good i hope it's good
0: but uh yeah that was episode 344 thanks for listening as always and we'll see you again very soon
1: see you later everyone